listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we will end our series called Death Benefits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to get excited about death benefits, right? If, if, you, if your spouse gets excited about death benefits, you've got problems. Yeah. The first week we looked at how Mary worshipped Jesus with extravagance because Mary knew that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. She, she had witnessed it firsthand with the, the resurrection of her brother. And I told you that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the greatest death benefit that we could ever receive. Amen? And then last week we realized that Satan is to blame for death but that Jesus is in charge of it. He took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He is in charge of it. And we also talked about the uncertain yet comforting terms that, and opinions that we have about death. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that there are certain things that, that maybe bring us comfort and we don't have scripture to back it up. But we also looked at what we know to be true about death for a believer. There are certain truths, absolutes that we have. The first one is that we know that for a believer, the moment of death, we get a new body. Amen? I said, we get a new body, amen? We also know that there's a change of environment, amen? And then we know that at the moment that we take our last breath here, our first breath there, we will be in the presence of Jesus, amen? Amen, presence of our Savior, amen. There was a minister that that died, and he was waiting in line at the pearly gates, and ahead of him was a, a guy that was dressed in, in jeans and sunglasses. He had on a loud shirt, a leather jacket, and, and St. Peter addressed that guy first since he was first in line. And he said, who are you so that I may know whether or not to, per- to permit you to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And the guy replied, he said, I'm Joe Cohen. He said, I'm a taxi driver from New York City. St. Peter consulted his list there and And he smiled and said to the taxi driver, he said, this is good news. He said, take this silken robe and this golden staff. And he says, you may enter into the joys of the Lord. The taxi driver went into heaven with his robe and his staff. And now it was the minister's turn. And so he stood tall and and he proclaimed, he says, I am Joseph Snow. I am pastor of St. Mary's Church for the last 42 years St. Peter once again consulted his list and said to the minister, he said, oh, oh, here you are. He said, take this cotton robe and this wood staff and you can also enter into the kingdom. The minister said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, that man was a taxi driver and he got a silken robe and a golden staff. He said, how can this possibly be? And Simon Peter replied, he said, well, up here we reward results. He said, you see, while you preach, people slept, but while he was driving, people prayed. (laughs) Today, I am going to challenge you on what you think you know about the rewards of heaven. I promise you, at some point during this message today, you are going to wonder if I've lost my mind, that if anything that I'm saying is true... I promise you, you're going to question something that I say today. But hear me out. If I can't back it up with Scripture, if I don't back it up with Scripture, then disregard everything that I say. But if I do, if I back it up with Scripture, I want you to take note of it, and I want you to live life anticipating such benefits. So stay tuned until the end. Promise me that. Promise me that you won't leave, that you will stay tuned until the end, because in the end, 
I think it will all come together and it will all make sense to you. No matter how many questions you have, wait until the end of this message. Promise me that. Nod your head. Say, I promise. Okay. As we end this series today, I want to be very clear on this one fact. Please hear me out. Because this, this is a truth that I think most of us in the room will agree on. We can't do anything to get to heaven except receive the work of grace that has been extended into our lives through Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that we can do. We can't work our way in. We can't serve our way in. Grace has been extended to us through Jesus Christ, so we just have to call on his name. We have to believe in him. 2 Timothy 1 and 9. By the way, I'm going to bombard you with scriptures today. If you're taking notes, good luck. It's available online, and you can go back and watch it later. But, but if you're in your phone, get those thumbs moving right now if you're taking notes. Stop texting and take notes. 2 Timothy 1 and 9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Titus 3 and 5 says, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Church, we cannot serve enough, work enough to make it into heaven. If this is true... For those of us that work hard for the kingdom of God, then why do we do what we do? Why do we serve? Why do we give? Why do people give of their time, their talent, and their treasure consistently if there's nothing that we can do to earn our way into heaven? Sure, there's this satisf satisfaction that we see sometimes when we see people come to know Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in the parking lot or, or, or working in the nursery or uh, an usher in this room here or on stage playing. We are all working towards the same goal, to see people know Jesus Christ. And there's a satisfaction with that. But is there something more? Is there an eternal reward for our works? And the answer is simply yes. Yes, there is. There are numerous judgments after this life. There's two specifically that we must be, consider, or be concerned about this morning. And, and the first one is this. There's the great white throne judgment. The great white throne of judgment. And this is the final judgment for all non-believers. If you're here in this room today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this would be your final judgment judgment you can change that by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you can change that but if you are a non-believer if you don't trust Christ with your soul if you have not made him the Lord of your life then the great white throne of judgment is your final judgment Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 says then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they, have done, they had done. 
And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So if you're an unbeliever, that is the final judgment for you. The second one. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, the second one that I want to refer to today. Like I said, there's numerous judgments that will take place, but, but this one's different. For all of us that call on the name of Jesus and we are saved by him, this is a judgment for us. This is the judgment that is reserved for those that are saved by grace and have made Jesus the Lord of their lives. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, I know what you're thinking. Good or evil? And this is for the believers? These are for, this, this is a judgment for the Christians. But you see, church, the word evil does not necessarily mean morally wrong in this instance. That's not how it's translated. In the Greek, it is the word phallos, and it means worthless, meaningless. These actions are not in and of themselves bad. They're just a waste of time. It's kind of like turning on the TV yesterday at noon <laughs> to watch football. It was just a waste of my time is all it was. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's bad. It's not morally wrong. Okay, I can feel you staring at me. Just stop, you and your LSU. Just stop. Just stop. We don't want to hear it. No, we're not going tigers. We're not. Anybody else that agrees with her, you can get up and leave now. I judge you. It is just a waste of, of time. It's worthless. It's meaningless. And as Christians, we have acts that are eternal, and then we have some that are of no eternal value. And it's at this judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, where we will be rewarded for those actions. You know, we, we are such, we place such a value and significance on earthly rewards, don't we? I mean, think about it. We, we want raises, don't we? I mean, we want raises. We want bonuses. We want promotions. We long for that new car or we want that new house. The, these, these earthly rewards, these earthly gains, but if you knew that your eternal reward was dependent on, upon what you did while you were on the earth, would that change your mentality about how you serve the kingdom of God? Because what I'm about to show you will change that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if, if your treasure, if what you value, if what you place significance on, if it is aimed towards heaven, if it has the heartbeat of heaven, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There are plenty of scriptures that not only suggest, but they also mandate that in heaven, we're not all going to get the same reward. 
Stay with me. Some of you, you're not going to agree with me. Just, just stay with me. In heaven, we will not all get the same reward. Not all of our eternities are going to look the same. Sure, if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we will all experience heaven. But I'm just telling you, it's going to look different for each one of us. When we get to heaven, our assignments will vary. Our, our rewards will be different. We'll all get to see Jesus. We'll all get to see heaven, experience heaven. But we will not all get the same reward. I was recently having lunch with a friend at Buffalo Wild Wings up at the Oaks Mall. And, and we were enjoying our lunch. We got towards the end of our meal and the waitress comes to the table and, and she said, are either one of you a rewards member? And I'm not. My, my wife probably is, but that's just, it's like worthless. It's a waste of time to me. I don't, I don't have time for that. I just don't, I don't. So I said, no, I'm not. My friend quickly said, I am. I thought, okay. What's the Christian thing for me to do right now? I said, I tell you what. Go ahead and put mine, paid bill. I'm not giving him my bill to pay, but, but after I pay my bill, go ahead and put mine on his rewards, like on his account. Can you do that? She said, yeah, absolutely. I'll assign your bill to his, reward, to his rewards so that he'll get the points for it. Because unless I sign up for the rewards program at B-dubs, I cannot participate and reap the benefits of that. It just doesn't work. The same can be said of the kingdom of God. Unless I sign up through giving my heart to Christ, making him the Lord of my life, I don't qualify for the reward. Somebody needs to hear me. Please listen to me closely. You can try as hard as you work, want to. You might think you're working for the kingdom of God. In, in appearance, it, it might look that way. You can give to the poor. You can volunteer around the church. You can help people park cars. You can hold doors and greet people. You can wipe kids' noses and butts in the nursery. You can teach children to memorize scriptures. You can cook. You can clean. You can play in the band. You can lead in worship. But if you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, all of that is in vain and you're not part of the rewards program. Work as hard as you want to and you are still not any more saved than the rankest sinner that you know. Unless you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, unless you have called upon his name, you are not saved. And you can try and earn it. You can try your best to work. And you might think, I'm doing all of this for the kingdom, when in reality, there are no rewards in your future until you sign up for the program by simply saying yes to Jesus. But once we are saved from our sins... We're qualified for the rewards that I'm about to speak of. Your works will not save you, but your works are not in vain, church. Our eternal rewards depend upon what we do on this earth. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 27. He said, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Jesus said in Revelation 22 and 12, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. We're not all going to get the same reward. You might, in your mind, you might create that, 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 that myth there, but I'm telling you, each person is going to receive different rewards after we call upon Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. 
And there are many rewards that we could potentially receive in heaven. There are rewards for how we conduct ourselves. There are rewards for being kind to the poor. There are rewards for loving our, our enemies and doing good to them and even loaning to them without expecting anything in return. There's many more rewards that we could talk about, but there are some very special rewards that Christ himself is going to distribute, and I want to talk about them just for the next few moments before we close this out. Please hear me out on this. There are five crowns that we will receive. There's probably more. I believe I could go to Scripture and I can find more. But most theologians, people who study the Scriptures, can agree that there are at least five crowns that that believers can earn, that, that we can be rewarded with once we get to heaven. The first one is called the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, Paul says, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You hear what Paul said? He said, this one is for those that fight the good fight, that they finish the race, that they keep the faith, and they look forward to the return of Jesus. These people, they don't quit because of circumstances. When adversity strikes, they keep on serving because they are going to receive the crown of righteousness, and they serve the kingdom of God through the good times and the bad times. Even when their best friend leaves the church, they still serve. When no one else will, you count on these people because they will be there for the church there's a second one it's called the imperishable crown first corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training somebody say strict training come on say it everybody in the room strict training They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, Paul says, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I will get that imperishable crown. You see, people who submit their minds and their bodies to discipline, they will receive the imperishable crown. These people, they do not let temptations control them because they have subjected their minds and their bodies to holiness. Holiness rules them. And these people, they, they, they endure temptations because they understand that there's a difference between a moment when you're delivered and a moment when you're being tempted. And sometimes, some, there's just some things that God is not going to take away from us. There's some temptations that they just come and God allows them to continue to come because he uses these temptations to mature us. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Anybody ever had a thorn in the flesh? Don't point at them. Thorn in the flesh, Paul said, it was given to me. He said, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul then continues and he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood it, church. He got it. He knew that we just have to learn to grow up and earn our crown. The third one is called the crown of life. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Here it is. He tells them, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. You see, those who have died a martyr's death will receive the crown of life. Those who have had to endure persecution for the sake of the gospel, the crown of life is reserved for them. For for everything that has been taken from them, everything that has been lost, they receive this reward. James 1 and 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. You see, when we see these people in heaven, I believe that that, that we are going to stop and take notice as they walk by, as they pass by, because we know that they've had to endure extreme hardship and and, and hard suffering. We know that. I picture it, church, kind of like this, that it's kind of like a Veterans Day parade as they walk by, and we will honor and we will respect them for their dedicated service to the army of God. The fourth crown is called the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This one, this crown is reserved for those that are called to tend the flock. They don't let power go to their head. They're not money hungry. On the contrary, they are humble servants that God has called to shepherd They are pastors. They are teachers. They're team leaders. They're Sunday school teachers. They they teach children in in children's church and they teach children in in the nursery and, and anyone who has a role that they will love and care for the flock that God has entrusted to them. I don't know, but but uh, but I'm just looking forward to receiving this crown myself. I pray, I pray that my actions are worthy of that. And the fifth crown is this, the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? There's some, there's some key words he's using here. He says, what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? 
Is it not even you, as he writes to the Thessalonians, he says, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his, as it, at his coming? He said, for you are our glory and joy. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, he's telling them, he's saying, listen, you are the joy. You're the reason why we do this. You are the joy, you just having you there in the presence of Jesus Christ when he returns. He says, you are that joy. And the crown of rejoicing is given to everyone who leads another person to Christ. If you've ever led anyone to Jesus Christ, if you've helped them navigate through that and you've helped them find Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, this crown, the crown of rejoicing is for you. In Hebrews 12 and 2, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, I love it, here it is, the Bible's so consistent, who for the joy. Who was the joy? The church, the ones that had found a relationship with Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Really quickly, let me just give you some, some, some reminders here of these five crowns. The first one is this, the crown of righteousness, reserved for those that persevere and don't give up, they just keep serving. The imperishable crown, for people who overcome temptation and practice temperance and self-control. The crown of life are for people who are martyred and persecuted for their faith. The crown of glory, for godly leaders who cared for God's flock. The crown of rejoicing, which is the soul winner's crown. There may be more church, but we know that these will be rewarded. Now, now here's the question. Can we receive many crowns? Is it possible that we can earn the reward of many crowns? Yes. Yes, you can. In my closet, I've got a lot of hats. Lots of hats. I like, I like hats. I do. I've got... I've got two hat racks up on the wall. I've got a top shelf that is just stacked full of, of caps all up there. I love hats. Now, when I say that, understand, I don't need you to go buy me a cap. Because then you're going to want me to wear it. And I'm not going to wear it because I'm very particular on my hats. It doesn't matter if you like them. I want to like them. Okay? And, 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 and I'm very, very particular with that. And so I like hats. I, I know that I can't like look normal and wear more than one at a time, but I, I have been known to do that. I mean, I have put one on here, one on here. You know, the bills can go both ways, but what does this look like for us with our crowns? Not only can you earn many crowns, you should. You should strive for this. You know, we like to use this phrase when, when someone does something good that they earned another jewel in their crown. For some of you women in the room, you, you like to say that living with that man, you've earned another jewel in your crown. And you probably have. But, but it's not exactly biblically accurate to tell someone that they earned another jewel in their crown. It, 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 I, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it, it's not biblical. The prophet Zechariah speaks about us being the, the jewels in the crown of God. But we don't necessarily earn extra jewels in our crowns because of our good works. But if we want to be like Jesus, 
we need to first recognize that he wears many crowns. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. How do you do that? How do you wear many crowns? And I think the Catholics have figured this out. No joke. I'm serious. I, I really do believe it. That they, they just assigned the crowns to the wrong person. On the screen, you can see a picture here of what is referred to as the, the papal tiara. The papal tiara. And it was a, a, a headpiece that was worn by popes from, from the 8th century to the middle of the 20th century. After the coronation of Pope Paul VI, they said that he got up from the seat that he was sitting in and he walked down to the altar and he took off his papal tiara and he placed it on the altar because they had just had this conversation about poverty all around the world and how humans were starving to death. So he does the noble thing and he gets up and he does something no other pope had ever done and he walks down to the altar and he takes the, popal, the, the, the papal tiara off of his head and he places it there. He takes the crowns off and he lays them on the altar and says, y'all can sell this and you can, you can use the money to feed the poor. A lot of Catholic churches in America got together. They ended up purchasing it so that it could tour through America and it ended up in D.C. at a, at a museum where I guess it's there today. He said it was a renunciation of human glory and power. In my opinion, it's probably the best thing a pope has ever done. I can hear the voice of the skeptic right now. I, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I'm not sure about this. It all sounds so materialistic. I agree. It does. We know that we can't earn our salvation, but after salvation, are you telling me there's this rewards program that we can sign up for and like get things credited towards us and one day we're going to be rewarded for that? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I am saying that. I, I am saying that. I, more than me, the scriptures, I think, have pointed that out to us. But yes, in the wrong mindset, it feels a little materialistic. But you have to understand that the people that earn these crowns are not self-serving. This past Monday, I spoke at a memorial service for a man named Wayne Schenholzer. Wayne and his wife, Shirley, served at the Center Street Church of God in Perry for decades. My dad pastored that church twice. Wayne and Shirley were staples in that church both times. Just classy, hardworking lay people, not paid for what they did. They were just like most of you. Just lay people serving in the church, just had a heart for the kingdom of God. I described them this past week at the memorial service as a modern day Aquila and Priscilla the couple that, that Paul said risked their lives for him. If you know anything about Aquila and Priscilla, you'll know that they were partners in ministry, tent makers, and partners with Paul. They, they just wanted to see the kingdom of God move forward. At the judgment seat of Christ, 
There is no doubt in my mind that Wayne Schenholzer will receive many crowns. Not one, not two, many crowns. He qualifies. But Wayne never served for that reason. He never served. I'm not even sure that he even thought that it was possible to earn crowns. I'm not sure if he realized the extent of the reward. But he didn't serve for that reason. But there is no doubt that Wayne will know what to do when he receives his crowns. There's no doubt in my mind that, that Wayne, because Wayne was also a worshiper. Beautiful voice. And there's no doubt that when he receives his crowns, he'll know what to do. Can I tell you what you're going to do with them? Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It gives us this future look and it says, The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Say, worthy are you, our Lord and God. We don't work now so that we can get to heaven and just adorn ourselves with all of these crowns. Church, the whole purpose is so that we can lay them at the feet of Jesus in worship. The whole reason why we work hard here now is so that I don't show up before his throne empty-handed. I don't want you to show up empty-handed. And I don't know how this works. I don't know if we lay them there and, and, and then at the end of, of worship for the day, we pick them back up and we take them back to our heavenly mansion. And then the next day when it's time for worship, we show up with our, our you know, tiara. We've got everything ready and, and we show back up and we lay them. I don't know if we've got so many that we have earned along the way, that we lay those down and we go back and then when we come back again, we've got more to lay down. I don't know. That's the part of scripture that it doesn't tell me. Here's what I do know. If anybody's showing up to worship him and they're gonna lay crowns at his feet, I wanna be there because the one that wore the crown of thorns on his head deserves my crowns. He deserves my crowns. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.